Chronic illness can be an all-consuming experience. I have suffered with chronic illness for over 20 years, and there is no doubt managing a chronic condition can be a full-time job with no perks or time off. It affects every facet of your life, but you are not alone. Join me as we hear real stories of people living with pain and illness, their challenges, their victories, and the treatments and coping strategies they use to get through the day. I am not my pain, and neither are you. Welcome back to I Am Not My Pain podcast. Last week, I had the privilege of speaking to disabled and chronic illness warrior Anya Khan in part one as she shares her remarkable story managing her many conditions. If you haven't listened to part one, I would highly encourage you to go back and check it out. This week, Anya dives into her experience with positive toxicity, her process of healing and acceptance, and more. Anya's journey with illness started at birth, where most symptoms were overlooked until she was 19, when Anya knew something was wrong. 20 more years passed before she got any answers. With determination, Anya was eventually diagnosed with Ehlers-Danlos type 3, dysautonomia, mast cell disease, POTS, PTSD, craniocervical instability, a hiatal hernia, dysphagia, vocal cord dysfunction, neurodiversity, and esophageal dysmotility. Anya says acceptance of her condition, of who she is and where she is in her life, gives her strength and fuels her passion for her art, her business, and her life's purpose. Anya is a remarkable artist and photographer and a proud and certified disabled business owner of a web design, SEO, and digital marketing agency called Rise Visible, which places values first while making web design, SEO, and digital marketing easy for all. Rise Visible has been named top-ranking woman-owned digital agency by Clutch and created the Rise Above Be Visible podcast, offering strategies and tips to help other small businesses and entrepreneurs. I will, of course, include her art and her photography website and the Rise Visible website in the episode description. Now let's tune in to more of Anya's interview. And something I read about as well was, uh, you know, the thing of toxic positivity in our society. For you, I know that that has to be difficult because, I mean, how do you approach when people do that to you? Like, do people do that to you? Yeah, they do. I mean, I think I hear the, you know, like, it's not that bad, or, you know, it doesn't sound that bad, or, you know, people will, you know, compare things that have zero relevance to it, like, oh, at least yeah, it's not cancer, at least it's not a tumor. That's right. Or, you know, I, I, you know, I, I sprained my ankle, you know, last week, and I know what it's like not to, you know, and you try your or, or they have remedies. That's the other thing. Everybody oh, the wants remedies. to give remedies and it's, it's super frustrating because it is, it is most of the time it does come from a, a desire to want to help. But I think in Western society, one of the hardest things that we've had to learn is that we grew up, you know, again, I'm going to 1977, I'm 40, I don't even know, 46 now, I guess. And I grew up in, in a time and people older than me, and maybe even some millennials have grown up in a time where you just pick your pants up, you do the thing, you put your girl, you know, girl, what is it? Big girl pants, big girl on, panties, big yeah. pants on, you, you just do the thing. 
And, and yes, is, is there, is there a need for that when you're chronically ill? Is there a need for that when you're going through a challenging time? I greatly believe that being a soldier and, and being there for yourself and getting up and, and rocking what you can is important. You can't lay down and just let it take you over. However, we, we are always, even in politics, we're always very one or the other, right? There's no gray area. Like it's either this or it's that. It can't be both. Well, that's what's great about the, but life is a dichotomy. It's okay to be frustrated and extremely worn out, but also have days where you feel good. And, and the thing is, I think, and I kind of heard you say this, that there's guilt. And I think that there's guilt involved when you're not doing good. And so you put this, you put this like fake, mm-hmm. I'm fine now. I still do it. I can't tell you how many, I'm like, I'm fine. I'm fine. Guilty. I'm good. I'm great. And because nobody wants to hear it, right? Like I'm fine. But every well, time- a lot of times it's like a, it's like a barrier or like a, a like an armor so that people leave you alone. You don't have to field 80 million questions or, you know, That's you right. just get the the quick answer, you know, you're like, good. You have no bandwidth for that. Like I'm good, but I think it's important that when, when one says that and they know that they're not, if they're literally putting that barrier and they're like, yeah, I'm good, but they're doing it for a protective space to really like sit in there and, and be with, be with it. And it's so hard to be with it. So when you, when you asked me the question earlier about acceptance, there is one part that kind of correlates to this. And that is, I thought there was a cure when I didn't know the diseases. I thought there was a way that I was going to get better, right? Like I thought there was an answer and there's going to be a magic pill or a magic, I don't know, spell or something that was going to, is going to, the food, I don't know. Somebody's going to wave a wand. You're good. And then once I realized that's not true, it's progressive. You have to accept that. That's when that, that shielding really started happening. Cause I think there was so much of me telling people like, I'm going to be okay. I have this answer. You know, I heard that from so many people with chronic illnesses that they were like the boy or woman who cried wolf all the time. Like, I think I got the answer because something maybe made you feel a lot better, or there was some alleviation of symptoms. And so this back and forth thing. So you're always feeling like the burden right? You're always feeling like the burden is like, oh, that wasn't that. Well, great. You know, I'm the burden and great. Now I don't feel good. I don't want to tell people that, you know what, keep it to yourself. And that's okay. If you feel like it's a safety measure, but don't hide within yourself. Cause at some point it's going to come up and it's going to bite you in the ass. It really is. Like you have to grieve your body. You have to grieve your brain. You have to grieve your relationships. You have to grieve children, perhaps. You have to grieve food. I mean, like the natural thing that you're supposed to do every day to survive is food and water. And I'm allergic to most of it. That's a grieving process of epic proportion. Every time I go out, you know, people will say to me, oh yeah, you know, this place is right next to the so-and-so restaurant. And I'm like, I don't even know where that is because I have, you know, put the blinders on. I have no clue where the restaurant is. Right. But you got to be in, you got to, the healing process comes from, I think the healing process with everything, child abuse, domestic violence, um, whether or not you've grown up in a war-torn country, whether or not you're dealing with health issues, all comes from this acceptance of what is 
and recognizing that's okay. What is, is okay. And then it's what can be when, and if you have the energy and you're ready, you can say no and you, you can balance your life. And you know what, who gives a flying who about what other people think. And if people aren't truly there supporting you, then you know what, listen, I've gone at it alone a lot. Sometimes alone's better because you can be honest with yourself. And that's where you first got to start. You have to be, you have to be honest. It sucks and it's okay. You can cry. You can pound a pillow. You can scream into a pillow. You can, you can be angry and you should be. Your life has been taken on some level. Things that you want to do have become not accessible and you watch other people live a, a normal life. How can you not with chronic illness walk out your door every single day and not see somebody living really normally and not have some grief around that? Yeah, it's completely normal. And I think it's, uh, it was very hard for me to accept it and to grieve it because, well, first of all, you know, for many years too, I, I kept thinking, well, there'll be a cure. I will be better and I will be fine and I will not need to deal with this anymore. So why deal with all the other stuff I'm going through? Cause I'm, but as soon as I really sat with it and said, okay, this doesn't look like it's going anywhere. <laughs> it's going to stay. And now what, what do I do? Like, how can I adapt what I'm doing and how can I still do things I'd like to do at least a little bit. And then also kind of redefining a lot of what success was to me because I had such a picture and we're raised to have such a picture of what success is at our, you know, certain stages of life. And when you don't reach those stages, not of your own doing, but because of what you were just happened to be given, you've got to go through all those grieving process to kind of just say, okay, this isn't my life's not going to look like this. And that's okay. It's, uh, you know, I mean, I'm still not like jumping out of my chair about it, but I'm going to live my life. I'm not going to be like, woohoo, I'm so glad that I didn't get any of these fun things. But I mean, I'm going to say, okay, so this is what it is. And here's what I'm going to do with it. But it is not easy task at all. And I can only imagine, you know, my search for a diagnosis was only about a year and a half. I mean, and, uh, and I went to a lot of doctors a long time, though, for anybody. Yeah. It still was person, right. Yeah. It was not a, a pleasant experience. Uh, so, but so many people are still searching, especially when you have a rare condition and symptoms are not out there. How did you keep going? I mean, how did you keep, I mean, I, that's always an interesting fact. Cause I mean, you always want answers, but you get so exhausted by the system. And you get so exhausted by the process of going to the doctor. And then, you know, you, you get excited to go because you're like, okay, I may maybe find out this time what it is. And then you get such a letdown or depending on the doctor's uh, bedside manner, you may also get a lot of ugliness totally. on that side of it. But how did you keep going? How did to find anything like, or, I mean, you just kind of kept like readjusting. I don't even know how you did that for that long. You know, I learned something interesting about myself recently, and that is once I got my Ehlers-Danlos diagnosis in July, 2021, 
I then recognized that there were other things comorbid with it. And I know it's going to be strange, but I think this is why. And I just got diagnosed with ADHD and the numbers are, you, it's like one to a hundred and 50 is where you start getting diagnosed. I'm at 99. Okay. Like I'm like high level ADHD, like way over here. And it was very affirming for me to get this, right? Because I've always known that it's like, I'm very busy in my mind. And there's just, there's so many traits that go along with Ehlers-Danlos and any sort of connective tissue. And then actually people that have neurodiversity, such as ADHD and autism, often have Ehlers-Danlos can, or they can have um, hypermobile spectrum disorder. There's a lot of um, correlation between the two. And they definitely think I have autism. I just have to pay for the test. My point is, is my autism and ADHD, I'm obsessive <laughs> and, and a very driven person. Like with ADHD, there's a lot of energy and often like it peters out, but because of the autism, like I said, I'm not diagnosed yet, but I mean, they're pretty, they're pretty clear that that's where we're going. And it's very obvious. I can complete things and I'm very much organized and methodical and figuring it out. And I like patterns and I want to figure it out. And so for me, as much as it sucked and I did get upset and I did get worn down, I did take months off and just be angry. And, you know, when I got on the feeding tube formula, I didn't see doctors for like two years. Cause I was like, well, at least I got this and screw you guys. Right. Because I wasn't getting anything. I mean, I was, when I got on that feeding tube formula, the last doctor I had was yelling at me, telling me I had an eating disorder and I needed to get my head out of my ass. It was awful. And I was like, I'm done. But the point is, is that I am driven by patterns. I am driven by research. I have a background in psychology. So for me, other people who don't have that neurodiversity or that desire to be so ingrained into figuring something out, which would exhaust the average human being, for me is not a problem. When I'm hyper-focused on something and I'm obsessed, I will figure it out. I will dig a hole all the way to the other side of the earth if I have I will to. get there. I will I'll, get I'll just do the thing, which tenacity, you know, has really been helpful, but it also, the negative side of that, because I know when people hear this, they might be like, well, I wish I had that, right? I wish I, I wish I had that. Maybe I'm not driven that way. You know, this is exhausting. And how can anybody do that? The other side of that is wearing yourself thin by being obsessed, by, by not letting it go, by not letting yourself heal, by pushing the envelope all the time, you really do burn yourself out. So on both sides of it, you know, there are negatives and positives, but that's how I think I was able. And I only recognized this recently in a podcast, like two months ago, it, it literally in the podcast, like, oh, that's why, that's why, that's, that's why. why I did that. And that's why I could do isn't that funny? I know you wonder, I mean, I think the only reason I was able to was the support I had at the time with my, my family was very, my parents, especially were incredibly supportive and also wanted to get to the bottom of it. And, you know, they were on that ride with me tremendously. And I didn't feel alone. I felt alone in a lot of other ways because, you know, I watched my friends continue on with their lives and I was stuck, but they were there dealing with it as well. So it was, it was, you know, thank goodness. Like that, that's, that helped me get through to that place. But yeah, I remember getting the diagnosis and wanting to go back to so many of those doctors that literally told me I was crazy. I mean, literally I had a doctor look me in the face 
and just tell me I was crazy. Use the word crazy. And I was like, and it was because I was so exhausted. I'd go to the doctor and I would break down because I like, I would, I would hold it together. And then as soon as I'd get into that office, I go, <laughs> you know, and the, the doctor was like, Whoa. And it took me a long time to become less emotional when I went to the doctor. I mean, I still have moments of course, like, yeah, but you anybody. probably learned how to manage doctors, right? Yes. Like you have to yeah. go in, you have to look good. You have to be dressed decent. You can't Isn't that crazy. You have to look good when you're sick. Yeah. People like, don't it's take just, you seriously. So yes, anytime they I go they to the doctor, not. I put on makeup, I do my hair, I wear decent clothes because people don't take you seriously otherwise. And that's BS, but it's true. And I'm glad that you had the support you did because I think it's interesting because I was powered by the opposite, right? Didn't have the support and I wanted to prove everybody wrong. I was yeah. pissed and I had to like, you know, like clear my name. You have family relationships. Everybody thinks you're, uh, a crazy person. Yeah. I think no, and don't get me wrong. I had extended family, some other friends, like a lot of people that were the opposite, but I think my, my, my parents saw the pain. I mean, they saw how bad it was and they saw me suffer and they've never seen me like that. Like I never was sick as a child. So it was just like a whole new experience for both of us, but they still had moments. Like when a doctor would sure. tell me, you know, psychologically, there might be something going on and they would listen and, you know, take that into account and we would address it or try to, and this as well. And I'm sure for you with the rarity of all your conditions, uh, misdiagnosis is extremely common. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I have been told by, well, I've had a few podcast guests that have Ellis downloads and they also have POTS as well, because, you know, that goes hand in hand. And I had one girl that was like, you do know you have Ellers downloads, right? And I was like, yeah, I probably do. <laughs> I was like, I think it's a mild form, but it's like that thought of getting it diagnosed is like, ugh. and then of course I think of myself, well, what are they going to do about it? Tell me to do more physical therapy. I'm in physical therapy. Like, so I don't know, but I guess the knowledge sometimes has that power, but I'm taking a little break. It's kind of like I'm taking a- I get it. Yeah, you know, a little I break on that. I get it because everybody that I know with EDS has it way worse than me. You know, I have a good friend that's, you know, 10 years younger than me and she's, you know, she's got um, tethered cord and she's numbing her legs. And I mean, oh just, you know, there's, there's so many other people that I've met where MCAS is so minimal for them and EDS is really more of an issue. And I think that I felt this like guilt of like, well, I, I, probably don't. It's really not, it's probably not that bad. Right. Which is really interesting that you're saying that because I was going, trying the bait and test and whatever. And I'm like, mm, you know, but I fell on my tailbone, so I can't bend in a certain way. And I cracked it, but here's an interesting thing about it that, that maybe if, if you did, when you are done with your break, have time. Cause I, I had a break for like what, 18 to 2021. 20, so that was a long time. I was like, I don't have, and then I was like, going to open that door a little bit, just a little bit, a little crack. just maybe, but then the, the really ironic situation is I thought I had it so mildly and you then don't. I don't, but I had adapted to so many things that I had no clue that they were not normal. I spent like three months running out of a room going, Oh my God, do you do this? And my partner goes, no, I don't do that. And I'm like, okay, for an, and I'll give an example. Yes, so I want to know an example. 
I'll give you an example. So I'm like, I lay like this. And if I put lay on my back and I put my arms out, if I go to twist my arm over, it often glitches. Like my elbow will kind of pop out and I kind of have to like physically make it happen. I didn't know this was a thing. So I tell him that he's like, no, Anya, like that's not a thing. And then the other thing that I noted, this was like a, a big epiphany for me is I had been wearing boots since high school. I loved army boots and all types of boots. And then I realized that I love boots because they create stability in my ankles. <laughs> I didn't like sandals because my foot would always slip out or I would twist my ankle very easy. So I gravitated towards, you know, wearing boots. I mean, it's just a thing. And so there was a lot of moments for months. I still have them. Excuse right. Where you're like, wait a minute. Is that normal? That's not, that doesn't happen for you. Like, no. Okay. It, you laying like that in bed is like super creepy. Like I'm sleeping like this. I can this. do that too. Yeah. Like you're creepy. Don't sleep like that. I'm like, oh, I didn't Well, know. even my physical therapist was like, oh yeah, you know, you definitely do. And uh, I, and I was like, Yeah. I mean, cause you know, she's like, put your thumb here, do this. And she was like, that's like, you've reached nine of the like 13 or whatever points there are in the test. And I was like, she was like, you probably do. And I said, yeah, okay, well, I'll address it. You know, when it becomes necessary, cause honestly, I don't know, like, I don't feel like it's bothering me, but maybe I am so adjusted to it and I've lived with it for so long. It doesn't oh, I felt. like you, you know, doesn't register yet. Like that, that's not. You just get so used to your own you know, weirdness and body. You're just like, man, and we are so unique. And this is why I love this podcast because everybody handles everything so differently. You know, it's fascinating to, to really get into the depth of like why people, you know, how certain people can, you know, use and fuel what they're going through to do other things and how other people do not. And there's no right or wrong here. I'm just saying it's just interesting to see how people handle different traumatic, yeah. you know, things. Because really, that is what illness is. Too, yeah. Times in their life, too. Not just so much specific to yes or no. It's like there were times where I couldn't speak out. And now I'm having a moment where I'm healthy and physical and able to speak out. And for all I know, three years from now, I'll be relying on someone else to do that. Right? Exactly. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's the other thing that kind of, I wanted to ask is how do you, I mean, or do you, I mean, obviously you don't have much of a choice. I mean, how do you handle the unknown of not knowing? Cause it is, it is scary. I mean, sometimes it'll hit me just for random things say like I'm doing really well. And then I have a really bad day and, or a night and it is vicious, like the worst pain I've had in you know months. And I'm like, Oh no, it's, it's going to get worse. Like it's coming. And that fear like it makes so much, even the pain. And I know I have to calm myself down and, you know, I, I know how to do it now. Like I know the tools, but at the same time, that initial, like, <laughs> like what? Oh no, 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 no body. Like we're going to, you're going to cooperate with me. Like I have a whole conversation with my body. Like it listens to me, but we like to pretend it does. That's good. But I'm like, listen up, you know, like you behave, don't do that to me. But how do you do that? Like, how do you do, I mean, you just kind of, push it out of your mind, like, and just try to focus on the present. I mean, how do you do it? Sadly, this is all the time we have for today. To hear the final part of Anya Khan's interview, tune in next week where she will share how she manages the fear of the unknown, how she became, in her words, an accidental entrepreneur, 
and how being visible with her disability has changed her career, her life, and her perspective. To learn more about Anya Khan's art, you can go to anyakhan.com. And for her web design and digital marketing agency, Rise Visible, or the Rise Above Be Visible podcast, go to risevisible.com. I will include the links in the episode description. Thank you again, Anya, for coming on the show. And a big thank you to all my listeners for tuning in. And remember, you are not alone. And you are not your pain. Like the show? Please subscribe and leave a review. Or to learn more about the show or how to become a guest, simply visit our website at www.iamnotmypainpodcast.org. That is iamnotmypainpodcast.org. Your story matters. We look forward to hearing from you. Hi, this is Keith. I am a martial arts therapist at the Hero Circle, a global healing and wellness initiative inspired by the children of kids kicking cancer. Would you like to discover the power of your breath while fueling the purpose of thousands of sick children across the globe? Simply check out our free adult meditation catalog at herocircle.org forward slash meditations. To learn more about our program and our inspirational little heroes, visit our website at herocircle.org. From all of us at the Hero Circle, we wish you a wonderful day. Power, peace, purpose.